the wormhole, probably about to burn. In the white tunnel, are you ever gonna learn? See a land, probably gonna merge. Gonna be dead, laying in the dirt. Funny how you smart, but you still a nerd. Play your part, world gon' turn. What's up? This is Jared Gray with my co-host Jordan Reigns and special guest Greg Tomset, IDP four one one. This week we're going to cover the AFC East preview. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Good morning. Yeah, doing good. Excited to be here. Excited to be here with Greg. Got to meet him at the Senior Bowl with Steve. Got to chat about my uh, new favorite team in the NFL, the Bills, and <laughs> the greatest quarterback of all time, Josh Allen. You know. We stand for well, welcome aboard. Yeah, welcome aboard the uh, the bandwagon. It's going to be fun. Heck yeah, it is. I'm so excited for this season. Um, I was talking to my buddy yesterday or my brother in law about Josh Allen. And it was just like he I told him, I was like, I think he could throw for 4000 yards. And he just stopped dead and was like, you're shitting me. And I was like, <laughs> that's the thing, though. Like, can't he, though? Like now he's got guys. So anyway, we won't we won't talk too, too much about offense. But Josh Allen. Get on while get get in while the getting's good. That's my opinion. It, it's going to be fun. The, the The good part is he's a great lightning rod for conversation because so many people are so certain of what he is or is not going to be that it uh it always leads to good conversation. Obviously, hosting a Bills centric podcast, um, I get to talk to a lot of the rose colored view of that, where people are certain that he's going to make the improvements that everyone are, thinks are possible. Uh, and then I get a lot of feedback from folks who are also dead certain that there's no way he can make those improvements. Uh, we, we'll see where that goes. But but uh, I think there's a lot of talent on the defensive side, too. So it should be a good conversation today. Hell, yeah. Um, I guess we'll just dive right in. Let's talk Let's talk about Ed Oliver. And can you give us any sort of insights into his legal situation, what we should be expecting, like, in terms of, you know, missing time, fines, stuff like that, that maybe we just, as laymen, wouldn't know. You might have some inside information for us. Um, so I'm up to date on everything that is public and I've talked to a few people who are, are tapped in with the team and it's very standard boilerplate kind of stuff of, you know, need to let the legal process play out. We're in an unprecedented, uh, situation. I, I would say my, my interpretation of everything that's out there is, when you add the societal challenges that everything is backlogged, no municipal court system is running on time right now. Everything is delayed, backlogged, running slow. Um, I would be shocked if there's a resolution if there's before a resolution. the the time period where it would be the 2021 season. Um, I would be really surprised if we get something here in the next three months that means that there's a legal decision where the NFL would then respond in kind saying, well, you've now formally violated the new policy, which for anyone who hasn't read it in the new CBA, alcohol related arrests are now a minimum of three games. It used to be two. Um, you could still appeal things and still go through those processes. But my guess is that a first time offender, he was cooperative in the video. He did not do a breathalyzer. They did a. They were taking him to the um, 
the center for a blood test was what was reported and that has not been released yet the results of that so i you know obviously lots of things can change anywhere there he's uh has the money to hire appropriate legal representation my guess is that we see this settle out later in the fall with some kind of you know legal resolution and then he serves a suspension of some word of two to three games at the beginning of the 2021 season i'll be pretty genuinely surprised if we see any impact on the 2020 season nice well that's that's awesome i i figured he would probably get some sort of uh trouble this year jared i don't watch a ton a ton of college football jared watched a lot more college football than i do and jared was very high on ed oliver last season and I mean, he had a good year. I mean, what did you think about Ed Oliver's season, Jared, in the, as a rookie? And then we'll defer to you, Greg, on what, what your kind of thoughts were and where you guys think he needs to build on this year. Well, I mean, obviously, like, his past deflections are kind of what we expected out of him. Um, he's super athletic, and I think that he was just – his senior season was really just kind of held out. Uh, you know, at Houston, you know, his – He's one of the first five stars Houston to get uh, coming out of high school. I mean, the kids, he's kind of a freak, let's be real here. I mean, he had four to three tackles, five sacks out of the defensive tackle position, which is kind of what you expect out of a rookie, you know, a good rookie. Um, I I can see him get to seven to eight sacks uh, out of the defensive tackle position. I also think that his combined tackles go up quite a bit with the additional Jefferson and Addison. Because you got to focus on those guys. Um, not to mention you have two phenomenal guys behind you in Milano and uh, Edmonds. Uh, I think they're the best defense. I think that they're going to be the cream of the crop in the league. I think that they playoffs this year. I think that they are the team to beat, um, especially with all the additions they've done. But Ed, Ed Oliver in general, I think, just goes up, honestly, just – I think he takes a big step forward as long as he plays, like we talked about the legal aspect of it. I mean, he played all 16 games last year, um, but, but he only started seven. So it's, you know, that's a big deal. Yeah. You know, to if, only if, start seven games and have backs. Oh, yeah. He, he, I think that, you know, we'll get into the, the linebackers and defensive backs where I think there's some genuine value where you have really stable snap counts. The, the good and the bad on the defensive line is that Brandon Bean – and Sean McDermott believes strongly in that defensive line rotation. They've now built an incredibly deep defensive line. So, you know, we'll talk through some of the different names, but there's legitimately nine NFL caliber defensive linemen, eight that are really good. And it's going to be tough to figure out who can step forward past that 60, 65% snap count. I, I think the only exception is Ed Oliver. I think that he is a guy, if you took his season last year and split it into two seasons, his first half versus his second half, his second half was enormous as far as the step forward he took, how disruptive he was. He was a game wrecker in that Dallas game on Thanksgiving. Um, and you look at what he was able to do as he started to get his bearings on you know, hand usage, counter moves, how to start working against NFL linemen. Because as you talked about, going to Houston is kind of tough to get used to you know, there's not a lot of Marshall Yandas in the, in the American Athletic Conference, and mm-hmm. getting through that that kind of you know setup, 
the second half of the year, he graded out really, really well. I think that's going to work in his favor coming this year. I think he's the only defensive lineman I could see getting up to 70, 75% of snaps, and I do expect him to be in that ballpark. Um, they invested that pick in him there. He is a disruptive force. He's young, healthy, in great shape. Um, he's posting workout videos all the time. Um, I think that he's the guy that we're going to see step forward and I, I agree. I, I think that six, seven, eight sack mark isn't out of the question. I think we're going to see a healthy tackle number just because um, if anyone hasn't watched him, you don't see a lot of defensive tackles strafe and, and move sideline to sideline to chase down plays like he does. It's pretty incredible for him to stay engaged in plays and chase down running backs from behind. Um, but he his hustle is legit. His motor on the field is real. So um, I, I think that we're going to see some decent cleanup snaps. Uh, the Bills work very hard on um, because of their defense is very good. I agree it's one of the best in the NFL and has a chance to be the best in the NFL this year. Um, they also know that teams get the ball out quick and aren't going to sit there and they work and get their hands up. Do you think it's a stretch for to say that he doubles every single stat? I mean, I'm talking like 44 solos, uh, 16 quarterback hits, 10 sacks, uh, 10 tackles for loss. He only started seven games. Do you think it's a stretch to say he doubles all that? So I will say that – if you look at the position that he plays and the role that they put him in from a three tech in this system, um, Kyle Williams had three of those seasons. Um, and I think that, you know, Kyle Williams was an incredible player that Bills fans, you know, obviously marvel over. Um, Ed Oliver is a, is a superior talent to Kyle Williams. So, um, it's not like a player in this role can't do that kind of thing. Kyle Williams had seasons with 10 and a half sacks, multiple seasons with 41, 54, 42, 42 solo tackles, multiple seasons, 14, 16, 10, 14, 11, five different seasons with uh, double-digit tackles for loss, six seasons with double-digit quarterback hits. So that position with the snap count that they allow, if you're – you know, that kind of player, I it's in the realm of possibility. I would feel a lot better banking on that going into his third season than his second, but it's not off the, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Nice. Yeah. I mean, we got to keep moving along, but I, I think you guys nailed it on the head. You know, I mean, the numbers he put up, especially for IDP are already relevant numbers and he only played 575 defensive snaps. Um, because Jordan Phillips, you know, kind of came out of nowhere and just had a great season. And Jordan Phillips, I mean, his numbers, nine and a half sacks. Ed Oliver could hit that. I mean, I believe that as an upside. Um, 13 tackles for a loss, 16 quarterback hits. I mean, these are kind of available now. But um, so, you know, guys, Ed Oliver coming in last year, got a lot of hype. And I think the hype's real. And I think he's just ended up somewhere where he ended up having more competition than we might have thought. But, I, you know, as a guy who's only 22 years old, I mean, the sky's the limit. So for if you're in a D tackle specific league, he's going to be an awesome guy to have on your team. And in a DL league like we like to play in, he's going to be, you know, serviceable at the very worst. And I think he's going to have some some upside once he actually gets on the field. It really pulls it all together. So let's uh, talk about A.J. Epinesa real quick. Um, rookie. 
He's going to be playing that 3-4 defensive end. Uh, slid a little bit in the draft. I know coming in, he was, you know, I mean, he was one of the guys who was a brand name, you know, I mean, in this draft class, especially early on, Epinesa was a brand name. Um, but the Bills ended up getting him pretty, you know, a little cheaper than I thought he would be. Um, what do you? What are your thoughts on how he fits into this defensive unit, Craig? And what do you think? What are some like reasonable numbers you think he might put up as a rookie? Do you think he'll put up Ed Oliver numbers as a rookie? Let's just use that as a baseline: five sacks, forty-something tackles. I, I think that's not a crazy ballpark. It might be a little bit high in the sense that there's a a lot more competition in front of him from a mature defensive end standpoint and the rotation they have. I think AJ Epinesa is a great fit from a real football standpoint, more so than a rookie year fantasy standpoint. Fair. Jared, um, you are working on your, uh, the rookie four one one. I don't know if you have or have not run into Epinesa yet though. I don't think you have, because I don't think you've breaking broken into the teens. Um, what, what are you thinking about A.J. Epinesa? I, well, I like A.J. Um, I, he was the first five-star I was had in a long time. Um, the problem is, is with all the additions that the Buffalo Bills have done and the correct additions that the Bills have done, to get Epinesa, I think they just got the player best player available at the time. 100%. And the problem is with the, with the addition of Addison and everybody, I think that you just don't see him – putting up monster numbers and I use his rookie year, especially with no rookie camp looks like it's going to happen. And I think that, you know, with the league starting the way it's starting because the rookie camp had already been done, but at this point, I think that you're going to see more of a learn role. Hey, this is our system. You're going to get to know it. And you're going to see one of the other guys leave after this season. You know, I, I think it's a learning season for him strictly. And they just don't need him to play more than, say, 40% of snaps. You know, when you're talking about the other, you know, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, Trent Murphy, Quentin Jefferson, um, it, it's just, I think AJ Epines is too good to not play at all, but there's no chance that he steps forward short of an injury. You know, if you see Jerry Hughes or Mario Addison go down with a serious injury, maybe yeah. that changes, but those guys staying healthy, he's at best. In the second half of the year, he's at best defensive end three. In the beginning of the year, he's a pretty firm defensive end four. Uh, and I just don't see how he gets the snap count to put up the stats that matter. As a Bills fan, I'm excited to have a guy that talented as your defensive end four who's just coming in as a, a to give Jerry Hughes a breather and to get play 35 40% of snaps uh, from accumulating stats i think you're going to wait until the next year when trent murphy's contract's done he's stepping forward into a bigger role uh hughes and addison are both in their 30s and he's becoming a bigger part of that i like aj epinesa going forward i don't expect a ton in his rookie year nice let's um finish up this defensive line let's talk about mario addison i'm looking at his stats here you know he's 32 this last year but from 29 years old to 32 Nine and a half sacks, 11 sacks, nine sacks, nine and a half sacks. Um, that's consistency right there. And that's a that's a very solid sack number. Um, you know, I mean, breaking double digits is hard for anybody any given season to even get that close year after year after year. And three of these years are after 30 years old. At 33 years old, do you think people are sleeping on what he's going to bring to this team? You know, he's also getting double digit quarterback hits basically every single year. He's had double-digit tackles for loss 
three of the past four seasons. Um, I will say myself personally, I went, when the signing happened, I kind of just shrugged it off. I was like, okay, cool. Like now Mario Addison's out of the way of Brian Burns in Carolina. So now <laughs> Brian Burns is going to be really good for me. But as I'm shifting gears here a little bit and I'm looking at this defensive line, you know, I mean, Mario Addison to me looks like the guy to own him and Ed Oliver in IDP. Um, what, what were your thoughts when they brought him in, Greg? I, I was a big fan. I, I wanted them to go after uh, a, a defensive lineman. There's a lot of easy connections. Uh, Eric Williams, the, the you know defensive line coach, was the defensive coordinator there in Carolina. So coming over, bringing over Vernon Butler and Mario Addison was not a surprise. So that was very easy to kind of foresee as a possibility. Um, I like the idea of bringing in Mario Addison. My concern is... I think it's very similar to last year where the the back seven of the Bills creates coverage issues for every team. The front seven, the front, the four down linemen, because they pretty much bring four on a consistent basis, are going to rotate through. There's going to be a lot of opportunity for pressures and sacks. And then sometimes you get a blip of a season like Jordan Phillips being the guy who gets nine and a half sacks because he was the guy who touched the quarterback as they all kind of crumbled him to the ground. You had the same thing Lorenzo Alexander had an 11 or 12 sack season the year before. Neither of those two seasons were representative of a dominant performance from those guys. They just took advantage of the amount of pressure that was created. I think Mario Addison's the most likely guy to get the most sacks, but it easily could be Addison and Oliver collapsing the pocket and Jerry Hughes getting the sack. I, I, I'm I'm not confident that Addison is absolutely the number one guy. I do think one or two guys on the this defensive line have a really good season, and Addison's the most likely. I wouldn't be sh- shocked if it was Hughes or a surprise season from a Trent Murphy or someone like that because of the rotation they're going to be doing. Nice. Well, uh, we gotta we gotta move along. We spent twenty minutes on the D line, and we haven't even got to the good part of the team. So uh, let's talk about these linebackers, Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds uh, for IDP fantasy football. Anybody that plays, they're very well aware of these guys. They're both um, high tackle number guys. They're both kind of do it all linebackers. I got a little graphic here, but I mean Tremaine Edmonds. You know, my thing with when I look at players for IDP is. I call bread and butter tacklers like that's what I call guys who are just like my baseline guys. But then I like to look at guys that do other stuff. And I was kind of shocked when I realized this dude's got 21 pass deflections in his first two years in, in the league. I mean, that's some big numbers for a linebacker, a young linebacker, too, along with his tackles for a loss. Um, and I also love Matt Milano. don't want to get that twisted up. I got a little graphic here. It's not as good. But, you know, I mean, when you look at them side by side, these guys are both super productive um what are your thoughts on this linebacking situation and who's the third guy there because these guys are just so good i'm honestly almost completely unaware of who else is a linebacker on this team <laughs> uh they are the core of this team that they, they're going to play 100 percent of snaps every game that they're healthy they're going to be on the field every single play and that's how this defense is built is for them to clean up after everything so it's not an accident um aj klein will be the third guy but based on the number of third linebacker snaps that he's going to be on the field 25, 30% of the time. Uh, the vast majority is going to be uh, Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds with a nickel or a big safety. So they'll be out there the whole time. One of my favorite little tidbits for Tremaine Edmonds, 46 out of the top 60 draft eligible linebackers this year were older than Tremaine Edmonds. 
46 out of 60 this year. He's going into yep. his third season. Um, so he's now coming into the part where he would normally be a rookie uh, and be one of the younger guys in this draft class. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I think there's a chance he steps forward into defensive player of the year discussions this year. I think that they they've set up this defense for him to be the prize of this system. They started to realize late in the year how good he was blitzing. They really didn't send him on a lot of blitzes earlier, and his timing and instincts for it were, I think, a lot better than they anticipated. He's going to be a big part of whether this team goes from pretty good, fun story to actual you know, chance to contend. Uh, I think it's going to be on whether he takes that step forward from being the statue put up pretty good to you know, does he get to that three, four, five interceptions, multiple fumble recoveries, you know, some of those Erlacher seasons? Because mm-hmm. uh, he's the guy that he actually comps to physically. You don't see a lot of six, five middle linebackers. If he can do that, where you have the range and coverage, the blitzing ability, and you get to one of those Erlacher seasons with the five sacks, five interceptions kind of thing, um, that's where he could get into that defensive player of the year discussion. And, you know, that's obviously lofty expectations, uh, but he is an unprecedented physical. Physical marvel at the middle linebacker position that you just don't see guys that have an eight foot wingspan that can run back and forth like that. Yeah, Jared, what what do you think about Edmonds? I, I mean, I know I, go ahead, bro. I'm I'm a massive Edmonds fan, and I am 100 on board with Greg on this. I think that he is the gem of dynasty linebackers to get right now. Um, a lot of people, for some reason, he flew in the radar because they only had 66 solos last year, but he had 10 tackles for loss, you know, because you got to see the blitzing. I get that he started 16 games. He had one less interception than he did the year before. Um, he still had nine pass deflections, right? His quarterback hits were were solid. Um, at He only had four, but uh, to have for 10 tackles for loss for a linebacker, um, nine pass deflections, you know, 66 solos. I think his 66 solos go up to 85. I think he beats his rookie season. Um, I think he, I think he finally figured out what they've wanted to see out of him, that they're going to give him more rain. And I'm a hundred percent with Greg on this. I think that he's the guy, I think Milano takes a step back and they kind of flip on the total tackles here. I think, I think you can see 125 to 140 tackles out of Tremaine Edmonds of this year. And because their defensive line is so solid, I think he becomes that dominant. I really do. I'm I'm a massive Tremaine Edmonds fan. I went and made a big trade for him earlier this season um, during a dynasty league, and everybody's saying how much I got over on the guy. And I don't think I got over him too much, but I got Tremaine Edmonds, which I really wanted. And I actually gave Devonder Campbell up for him. So I was stoked about that flip. Yeah, he finished 22nd in our scoring format, IDP one, two, three that we like. Um, you know, right, right, right when, uh, right where Devin Bush finished, a little bit ahead of some other good guys. Eric Kendricks, another great coverage linebacker, just a little behind him. Uh, Deion Jones, right there with Matt Milano, just a hair behind him as well at uh, 30. What are your thoughts on Matt Milano? I um, had some dynasty trades come through for him last year when he was coming off that leg injury, and I, well, the one trade I was going to accept. Another guy, apparently he sent out a massive trade, and he sent it to another guy 
even cheaper than he sent it to me for, which I was kind of annoyed at because I was getting ready to accept it. But then another guy got it for a fifth and I was going to give him a fourth. But anyway, Matt Milano, what are your thoughts on Matt Milano this season, Greg, um, as another one of these core pieces to this defense and a guy who's kind of massively underrated, slept on, I guess, a little bit. I mean, he plays next to a super stud and then he plays at a, a position that's kind of deep in IDP as a middle linebacker. But he does it all, you know. Yeah, it's. I think you you touched on the right points there. You know, he's a fifth round pick. Uh, Edmonds was you know potentially a top five overall pick and fell to sixteenth. Um, he's not the flashy area there, but he just is consistently good. Um, he's had a couple injury challenges here that kind of made him earn his way on the field his rookie year, and then he's really stepped forward his second and third season. Um, he's going to play a ton of snaps. He's going to be on the field all the time. He doesn't have the athleticism uh, at the high end that Edmonds has, but he's a good athlete. He can go sideline to sideline. Um, he's out there, and, and in this system, those two <laughs> linebackers are – on the field all the time and they're you know sharing their responsibilities so it's not like he's taking a back seat or in a lesser position from an opportunity standpoint um but he's going to be out there covering tight ends he's going to be out there um you know covering the the running backs he's going to be uh kind of reading what's happening from the backside and playing some of that weak side more often although they play a fair amount where they just stay on the left and right side uh, with the two of them because of so many nickel uh, snaps. So I, I think there's a good opportunity. I think that the upside is, that, you know, is real from, you know, that, that Jared talked about from Tremaine Edmonds standpoint. And I think if Edmonds does that, you can still get a hundred total tackles out of uh, Milano just because their this defense works to funnel those the same way that uh, Sean McDermott built it when it was Luke Kuechly and Thomas Davis. It's that same setup, um, and that Milano can still have a good season. And then it just comes down to who's making the game breaking tackle or game breaking plays, who's getting interceptions, fumble recovery, sacks. Um, those I think that he has as much opportunity. I feel I feel better about the security of Edmonds' tackle number. Nice, nice. Let's uh let's move to these safeties. You guys have a couple of good safeties for IDP. Well, I mean, Jordan Poyer is actually this last season he finished. Uh, let's take a look here. I believe he was top seven. Yeah, he was top six. He had 239 points last year as a defensive back. Um, two back-to-back -back seasons with over 100 combined tackles, first two in his career. He's 28, so he'll be 29 this year. And then you guys also have Micah Hyde, who is right around the same age. Um well, what are your thoughts on this tandem? You, I mean, Poyer has been productive two years for IDP. Hyde has been more serviceable. He hasn't been super great, but in some deeper leagues, I've had him and used him, and he has come in very handy. I played him one week last year when he had uh, he scored a touchdown on some crazy random play, so he helped me win that week. Uh, onside's kick that Miami tried to do at the end of the end of the game, yep. and he snagged it in midair pirouetted and then realized nobody was around him and just kept running for the touchdown as he recovered the outside's kick yeah that was it that was, i really enjoyed that <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what are your thoughts on these guys and let's just talk about tredavious white too let's just okay. let's finish out the bills here what are your thoughts on this uh this defensive back unit i mean these are kind of the three bigger names uh, especially for idp you want your safeties your strong safety your free safety before you want your corners usually um what are your thoughts on this unit, and what, what do you think they're going to do this year? 
Yeah, I mean, Trey White's the most talented player on the team. He's you know came out for an All Pro season last year. Is a phenomenal. Is close to you get as a lockdown corner nowadays. You know, I I, I understand uh, people like Jalen Ramsey, Stephon Gilmore. Um, I think that because he plays in Buffalo, people don't realize how incredibly tech, uh, technically sound Trey White is. He is a technician at the cornerback position. He's going to be good. He's going to have another great season. I, you know, I don't know if it's six interceptions is not that common in the NFL nowadays. So I, I don't know that he gets another six interception season, but he's going to be really good. Um, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde are actually the secret to this defense. What people don't realize is the Bills don't really have a strong safety and a free safety. On standard plays, Poyer's going to be up at the line more often. He's going to be blitzing more often. Hyde's going to be more the, the center fielder. But they can interchangeably move back and forth. The reason the Bills' secondary is so good is that they disguise coverages better than any defense of the NFL. They will have Jordan Poyer trail the guy across the field in motion on purpose to then run zone. And they'll do it to give the false cue to let you think that, oh, he's trailing him across the field. It must be man. And then they just drop into his own coverage from there. They do different ones where they'll do combo coverages where they make it look like it for the first few steps and then they hand off. Um, They're just constantly disguising coverages, tricking quarterbacks. Um, Micah Hyde tricked Tom Brady into a red zone interception because he made it look like he was running man coverage and then dropped back off because he knew where Brady was going to go. Not all that many guys pull one over on Tom Brady and surely not in the red zone. Um, So they're really, really good from a real football standpoint. I agree. Poyer is probably a little more valuable from fantasy because they blitz him much more often than Hyde. Yeah. Tredavious White, too. I mean, like you said, the interceptions helped his his fantasy score last year. But, I mean, he ended up being a top – where is he? I think he's 22. Top 24. So, you know, that's nothing to shake a stick at. Um, Jared, what, what do you think about these guys? I know you're high on Poyer. I know you love Tredavious White too. Um, but go ahead and give us give us some thoughts. Yeah, um, you know we're hitting the 30 minute mark, and as as we should on the Bills, uh, I, like I said, I think they're going to be the the team to beat in the division. Uh, with Tredavious White, I think that he is one of the best shutdown corners in the league. I think that he's going to have a little more competition, this, you know, with the addition of the guys that have added to the NFL. But, I mean, here's the thing: is when you have guys as good as that, those three that you're, you know, your two safeties, uh, Hyde, Poyer, and you got Tre'Davious White on one side, you can kind of pick on a quarterback, and because you got to make a lot of good decisions. Like, I mean, they're just deep; they're the deepest football team defensively uh, in the NFL. So, uh, like I said, I, I love Trey Davis White. I think that he's a good addition uh, for a deep dynasty league. If you have to play a defensive back, he's definitely somebody you better go get in fantasy football for sure because he's that good. Nice. <clears throat> well, 30 Obviously minutes Poyer's in. I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah. Poyer is probably the, the guy you want um, the most. But, I mean, they're all valuable, like like you both said, in real football and in fantasy. Like you said, you know, as a plug-and-play guy, Micah Hyde is you – know, he's on the field. You know, I mean, that's kind of what you want. That's an opportunity. Um, so, 30 minutes in, let's move past the Bills, although this division doesn't have a ton of good IDP uh, options. Our last two divisions, we covered the uh, AFC North and the 
yeah, in the AFC South, which have all those teams are kind of stacked with IDP. We got the Jets, which we're going to do next, which they have some very good options. And after that, with the Patriots and the, and the Dolphins, it's going to get a little bit murky. So we probably won't talk as long on them. But let's step into the Jets now. Quinnen Williams, another rookie defensive tackle with some legal troubles. What he got, he was a gun. He had a gun in an airport. Was that what happened? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. It so was. <laughs> these guys went to college, right? Like, did anyone like day one of college? Like, before you go to you know your physics class. Step one in life, like don't take a gun to the airport. Just you know, college. You Have you heard this guy? I mean, add that to your. Curriculum. This dude had the worst interview I've ever seen. Um, he was talking. You know, they when Alabama had to play Oklahoma in the uh, playoffs, and they asked him about Kyler Murray. He stops in the middle of the sentence because he was going to talk smack, and then he stops, and then uh, uh, and he just stops doing. It. Like, he, he can tell Saban was about to yell at him. Talk. Oh, yeah, he was about to get that business. And, <laughs> uh, I mean, here's the thing. He's got nowhere to go but up, right? I mean, he had True. 20, what, 15 solo, 13. You know, he had 14 tackles for loss, six quarterback hits. Uh, he started nine games. I mean, he's got a little bit of injury. He definitely was not as good as they wanted. So... For his rookie season, they, they had high hopes. I mean, a lot of people ranked him as the top defensive coming out of college. I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Ed Oliver's a better player, personally, than Quinn Williams. Uh, mm-hmm. 100% will tell you that every time. Um, so, he, I mean, he's young. He's 22. He's got a lot of room to grow. But honestly, I think that he's just a very average player. It's a a good example of real football versus fantasy. I I get why people think that Quentin Williams holding the point of attack, allowing linebacks to to move, eating up double teams, being able to be disruptive on occasion. I think he has overall value and and probably is going to be solid. I don't know that I ever see him as the disruptive force, you know, guys that size, you don't see that often unless you get a Calais Campbell or something like that. I don't know that I see that, that, impact from from him so i think he's going to be good and probably better in real football than in fantasy i I don't know that i see him having those kind of stats to be able to rack up who who are the other guys on this team that matter at defensive line i mean it's was is leonard williams still there did he go to uh well he was he got traded to the giants and then waiting for what contract you got and then they decided to freaking franchise tag him which is hysterical uh, yeah, there's just there's not a lot on this defensive line even worth talking about. Let's just let's talk about these linebackers because this is going to be a more interesting conversation. Quinton Williams, if you have him, just hope. You know, I mean, that's all we can give you guys. Hope that he gets better. But um, C.J. Mosley and Avery Williamson, two guys that are good linebackers. Um, I think C.J. Mosley's a little overrated personally. Um, but they're the two guys that were hurt. They got hurt last year um, very early in the season, so they kind of had to patch things together with Burgess, Hewitt. I don't even remember who the other guy was. There was another guy who had some really good games for IDP. But assuming – well, oh, yeah, White. Was it White Snake? Yeah. I don't know. But um, assuming these two guys are healthy, this defensive unit doesn't look bad front in the, the middle and in the back with Jamal Adams. Um C.J. Mosley, though, he only has one season in six with over 120 combined tackles. He's 28 years old now, and this groin injury 
I mean, I've never really hurt my groin, but it seems like he just recovered based on what I'm reading. Like recently, like a month or two ago, he was finally okay. That, that didn't really make me feel very good. Avery Williamson, I'm a lot more aware, and ACL recovery is usually nine months for an athlete, and then they're back to tip-top shape. He hurt himself last summer, so, I mean, we know he is on. he's recovered. Um, what are your thoughts on these two for this season, and who do you think leads the pack um, as far as overall production? I'll just throw it to Greg and then – yeah, follow the money. Right. You know, they, they didn't pay CJ Mosley $17.5 million a year not to be the centerpiece of their defense. So I think that the injury really took away from what would have been a, a pretty good season last year. Um, I I think he's the second most talented player on their defense besides Jamal Adams. I think that Mosley will be that centerpiece. And then I think, you know, some combination of Williamson, maybe Jordan Jenkins, I, I think gets some, you know, more run. But I, I think it's going to be, you know, Williamson and CJ Mosley. I, I know that they like Blake Cashman a little bit, but um, it, I think Mosley will have actually a, a pretty solid season and going to be the centerpiece of their defense only because I also don't think their defense, their team is going to be that stellar. I think they're going to be, their defense is going to be on the field a fair amount and he's going to accumulate a fair amount of st uh, stats, especially with teams running out leads late in games. Nice. What do you think, Jared? Uh, I tend to agree with you. Obviously, I think CG Mosley is a better linebacker. I mean, I just think he's a better linebacker overall. I think his age and his injuries are starting to kind of catch him a little bit, I but if he stays healthy, he's, he's elite. I mean, he has been, uh, do I think he is a top 20 linebacker? Actually? No. Um, I think the guy that you really need to talk about and some of you barely touched on is Blake Cashman. He's young. He has a very Blake Martinez look to him. You know, he very good in tackling. He doesn't, he doesn't get blown by, uh, obviously, Nate Gary has moved on. That's who we're talking about. Um, the reason why Jamal Adams is so let's keep this guy and he has such good games is there's really not a ton of talent in front of him. So uh, who knows what Jordan Jenkins is going to do? I'm not really told on him. Again, Avery Williams coming off the thing. They did add Patrick Onwasser. So, mm -hmm. you know, people aren't talking about that. Him and C.J. Mosley together again. Could be a thing. I mean, the reason why Patrick Onwasser was they decided to keep him in Baltimore is because, well, he looked good next to CJ Mosley. Could he do it again? So, and I think that's something that people need to look at. They didn't sign him for no reason. True. Yeah. I, uh, you know, Avery Williams is 26, Mosley's 28, uh, Cashman is the younger guy. Patrick Onwarsor, I think, is around 25, 26. I'm not looking exactly at that, but they've definitely got depth. And last year, you know, if you look at the top linebackers, I mean, I don't think there is a, a uh, Jet on this list, but if you combined all the numbers that all the Jets did last season, you would definitely have a top 24 prop linebacker because. Between Hewitt's big weeks early on, between C.J. Mosley's, the one big week he had, you know, uh, Cashman coming on strong, they put up fantasy points last year. And it's not a hot take to say that the Jets are going to be really bad this year, so their defense will be Like I said, if C.J. Mosley can stay healthy, he'll be a top 20 guy. Yeah, if. I agree. Let's talk about the overall defensive back one in the rankings of anyone who has a brain, and that is Jamal Adams, 
one of the best players in the NFL, in my opinion. He finished fourth last year, and he missed a couple of games. Yeah, the Prez, social activist, outspoken man of the people. The best thing to happen to the Jets probably in the last 10 years, and they're going to piss him away. Uh, but I, I, I enjoy him. seeing that part of it. I know. I mean, I, I just want to – I want – I want him to go to the Chiefs. I just want him to go somewhere where he can shine. Like Tyron Matthew, I was so glad when Tyron Matthew went to the Chiefs. I mean, he was good on Houston, too, when they were good. But some of these guys just deserve to be on teams that get attention and the right kind of attention. You know what I mean? I feel so bad for Jamal Adams. But he doesn't – there's nothing he can't do. I mean, he can blitz. He can play man. He can bump and grind. He can get tackles like a linebacker. Um he can he the the big the biggest play in our scoring system IDP one two three is I don't really have a name for it but I call it the Holy Grail. I mean he did it to uh, Daniel Jones last year a sack forced fumble fumble recovery took the ball right out of his hands just deboed it right off of him and just took it back. I mean there are not a there I don't know how many safeties in the NFL could even that's in their repertoire, but it's in his you know what I mean and he makes it look good. What what do you think about? his situation with the Jets and how they're kind of jerking his chain a little bit, not wanting to pay him. And then what do you think about these other guys around him? Marcus May, but then they drafted Ashton Davis as well. Or Davis, yeah, Ashton Davis is their rookie. So what are your thoughts on that uh, safety unit? And then I guess their uh, corners, Brian Poole is the only one I have written down in my notes because he was a pretty good slot corner for me uh, two years ago in IDP. And he was pretty good this last year too. But – yeah, uh, Pierre Desir coming over from Indies, a, a, a nice addition for them. But yeah, but their their cornerbacks certainly are weaker than their safeties. Um, May is a solid player. Adams is is phenomenal. He he's the one guy you know every whenever you're doing the podcast going around talking about different teams or what. Hey, if you could steal one player off this roster, the Jets is the easiest decision in the NFL. It's it's Jamal Adams lead by leaps and bounds. Um, He's, you know, he's a little chirpy for me, so he's not the most popular guy amongst Bills fans. Uh, but he's an incredible player. The versatility is the real part, so that that's an easy one. I actually think Marcus May is pretty solid. The way that they use them, obviously, you get a lot more flash for Jamal Adams, but their secondary is okay. I think adding Pierre Desir helps. Uh, Pool was good in the slot. Their outside corners are still rough, so you know, I think they're still going to see a fair amount of teams picking on that until they prove otherwise. Nice. What are your thoughts, Jared? Uh, I'm with you 100% on Marcus May. Um, he played free safety, strong safety in you know every year he's had. Um, for me, it's you have to look at him a little bit. I mean, he had 65 tackles last year. He had 79 his rookie season. Um, he had a down season in 2018. Uh, but he's a guy who gets an interception every year, it seems like. I mean – He's good for one. He had seven pass deflections last year. Um, tw- uh, uh, you know, he had 50 solos. 50 solos is nothing to I – mean, that's something he can climb on. I mean, he has 50 – almost his average hits. He has 50, 30, and 57. Mm-hmm. So, overall, you got to give it – if you're looking at a deep roster, a guy that gets you those you know, five tackles at this and could be higher than that and – you know, we, we don't love – if we're going to say their defense is going to be on the field, which we all think they are, I think you could see 75 tackles out of a guy, no problem. So Marcus May is the other guy that I'm going to grab in, if I have to grab another guy. 
Um, I bought, but I do like Purity's ear um, coming over. It's a good addition. So super sneaky one too. If it, I, really. I don't anticipate this, but if all of a sudden you saw them uh, really piss off, uh, you know Jamal Adams, and they decided to move him, they got an incredible offer from a Dallas, from a Kansas City, from whoever. I think Marcus May would step forward and have a really big season, uh, replacing him as kind of the lead guy in that secondary. Nice, nice. I don't think that's likely, but if Agreed. it were to happen, I think May would be the beneficiary. Nice. Well, I got this play. Oh, May would, yeah, May would definitely move over. Yeah. I mean, he does it all. I mean, he had two touchdowns last year too, right? Two or three. I mean, it's – I know safety is a position that yep. a lot of people like to say is not very valuable in the NFL. But some of the – I mean, it's kind of like tied in for fantasy. It's like if you can get a total yeah. difference maker – like Derwin James, like Jamal Adams, like Abuda Baker, that is just going to rack up points for you. I mean, let's see what the point spread was here real quick. I mean, these top-tier guys, they're pushing 300, and then you get down to number 10, he's in the 230 range. So you're looking at a 70-point gap between your real top, top-end guys. Well, let's and, talk about that two of the top four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, are these strong the Two of the safeties? top four aren't even signed to a team right now. No, and that's that's the that's the weird part about so IDP fantasy is not you not to get the stats you're not always a good player per se or but I don't think that Eric Reed is not a good player. I'm just going to say that I think that he's a product of a situation that has been ongoing for a long time, um, and then he ended up on a team that completely overhauled every person that was in charge there, and he just didn't make the cut. You know, and why he hasn't been signed yet. It's kind of like Trey Boston. You remember last year when Trey Boston was floating around and we were like, well, is he going to get signed? I'm like, he's got a good skill set. He will end up on a team, and he ended up somewhere. And that's how I feel about Eric Reed. I feel like he's got the skill set to where somebody's going to call him. He's probably got offers. He probably just doesn't want to take them. You know, they're probably not what he wants. But at the end of the day, you know, somebody's going to want going to need him. And we haven't had the camp situation yet because nothing's really going on. Guys aren't falling yet. We haven't had any big injuries yet. We haven't had any, you know, holdouts yet. So these things haven't really happened so that the the, the variables are changing. But, yeah, he, he could end up back on a team. But, like I said, you know, Jamal Adams, he's almost – he's always the first defensive back off the board in all my drafts. And, I mean, he's like Gronk, you know, a couple of years ago. It's like if you get him, you don't have to take another defensive back for a while because he just gives you such an advantage. And then when you get to those middle of the pack guys, I mean, you can kind of just pick anybody. So, all right. Well, those are the yep. two teams that had really good IDP names and options and guys we all love. Let's get to the um, the little the staring to the mystery ball here. I'll see what's up with the Patriots. So their defensive line right now, the only player that I have that I'm like really, really looking at for IDP personally is Chase Winovich. Um, and it's kind of crazy when you think about Winovich. You know, we were talking about Ed Oliver earlier with his five sacks. Chase Winovich had five and a half sacks. He also had a special teams touchdown, which doesn't show up on um, – with some leagues doesn't show up. It should. I think that every touchdown should go, but that depends on how your scoring is. 26 combined tackles, 10 quarterback hits. That's more quarterback hits than Ed Oliver as well. Um, for a guy that didn't play a lot, I mean, he was only on the field a handful of snaps every game. Um He's about the only guy on that defensive line that I have any interest in. What, what are your thoughts, Greg, on Winovich in year two? And then, Jared, what do you think about him coming into year two on a team that has top, no top, like a brand new Patriots team? Like, this is just completely new to everybody. 
Yeah, their <clears throat> their front seven outside of maybe bringing back Dante Hightower. They just when you lose a, a Van Noy and and Jamie Collins and Danny Shelton and just so many names turning over, it, it's kind of tough. I think Winovich is a very logical person to step forward, and maybe he gets a little bit more into you know that rush. You know, a lot of the rush uh, opportunities they gave Van Noy and and kind of play him in that mixed role i'm curious you know he's obviously not built as a 3-4 defensive end so you know if he's registered as a defensive lineman i almost see him more as their rush linebacker in in this role and maybe that gives him an opportunity to put up more stats uh to be able to kind of help from that standpoint but yeah Winovich and hightower are the only guys in that front seven i'd feel comfortable that i know what their snap count's going to be because there's so many other names in there that i just don't know who they're going to play Yeah, uh, I'm with you. Love Chase, Chase Winovich. Uh, they obviously like Belichick in general, likes Michigan guys. Um, he's had quite a few. Um, just brought in Uche. Tom Brady, Chase Winovich. Just, just brought in Josh Uche. Um, in that, they like those type of guys. Uh, I like Josh Uche. I think you're going to see him play more than you expect. Uh, because, of, I mean, they're just brand new, man. I mean, the, the whole team is. Uh, with Josh Uche, I think I'm with you. I think he can grow into a bigger role. I mean, he didn't play a ton last year. Um, for some reason, to have him listed behind Josh Simon, I can see Lawrence Guy getting a lot more love this year. Um, but I think Winovich is going to end up being the guy. You know, overall, I don't I don't love their depth. I mean, they're I mean they drafted three rookies, or yeah, in the tackle left and right defensive end and Wallace Murray and co. So not to mention Uche at linebacker. So they're how building. do you not love Chase Winnebago? Yeah, yeah, he's I one mean, of their hundred percent rebuilt. He's one of their veteran players now. I mean, after a single year. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so we'll see what that happens with him. So he's, yeah, just circling back on him. I I've got him in my rankings, I think right around, what 30 for DL right now, but I think that you know, I think this is going to be a defense oriented team, and I think he has a you know, like you said, he and Uche played together. They have you know, Uche is a versatile kind of guy, he's built you know, as he can kind of fill in, I think, for that uh, Jamie Collins type of role, maybe. But we'll have to just see what they end up doing with him. Um, Hightower is one of the only real kind of from that linebacking group that's hung around still. He's not great for IDP, but he's a guy you can plug in and play. As, and he's um, even going into his year 30 season, so it's it's starting yeah. to get challenging there. <laughs> yeah, he's starting to get a little bit worn out. So let's go to this defensive back group. We got Patrick Chung, you know, as safety. Hopefully he's off the snow. We got Stefan Gilmore, defensive player of the year, who, in my opinion, should not have won defensive player of the year. I will say that out loud, and I'll fight anybody about it because – I think T.J. Watt should have won it. They also have the McCourty brothers, and then we have this new guy, Kyle Duggar. Now, you were in uh, Mobile at the Senior Bowl, and Kyle Duggar, he was the hype machine really, I feel like, started there. And, yeah, he looked really good. Our buddy Steve, he's – look at Steve. I don't know if you can see him in the background there. He uh, is a huge Patriots fan, and he uh, he talked to Kyle Duggar as we were leaving one day. 
and ended up getting his autograph. And then when he got signed to the to the Patriots, he was super ecstatic. So nice. we were happy about that. What do you think the role of a Kyle Duggar is when this defensive back group didn't really have much turnover? I would say as much uncertainty as we have in the front seven, you have a great degree of certainty in the the, the defensive backfield here with arguably the best defensive backs in the NFL, the, the best overall secondary. I think they're right there. I'd, I'd argue that Buffalo's is right there as well. Um, but the combination of a lockdown guy like Gilmore, how good McCordy is outside, then the how well Devin McCordy and Chung communicate together. I think that all the uncertainty in the front seven, you're going to see Kyle Duggar play a lot of big nickel and a lot of third safety and a lot of snaps this year in that secondary as kind of a movable chess piece. Um, I actually think he's going to play a lot, even though the top four aren't coming off the field. I think that he's going to play a lot because who would you rather play your top overall draft pick or Juwan Bentley? Who would you rather play your top overall draft pick or Brandon Copeland? You know, having that fourth linebacker on the field versus a guy is versatile as Kyle Duggar. I think you're going to have them lean into that extra versatile guy who can be in the box, be big enough to make tackles, but still be out there in coverage. Um, I think he was a great pick for them. I actually was hoping he lasted to 54 for Buffalo. Uh, that was one of my wish list guys going into the draft. Thanks. They also brought in Adrian. I guess my question to you is Adrian Phillips. Yeah, where do you think he fits in? Mm. He and Kyle Duggar, I feel like, are have a similar sort of skill set, you know? Yeah, no, that's it's fair. Um, and it's it, you know, if anybody can let me know what Bill Belichick's gonna do next, I'd also like the winning lottery numbers for tonight. So um it's it's impossible to project how that's gonna work. I, I'm curious from an investment standpoint, you know, I, I think that you don't see the Patriots give out money all that often, and not that two years seven and a half million is a crazy amount, but it's at least a material amount of money. It wasn't a minimum contract. Um, so seeing them give him a decent chunk of money that direction, and then also make their top draft pick in Kyle Duggar. Um, uh, yeah, that's tough. It's tough to know. I don't know if maybe they didn't expect, maybe they were hedging for McCordy's, you know, rumored retirement and they weren't anticipating him coming back. So yeah, that, that might muddy the waters a bit there as well. Nice. Jared, what do you what do you think about the, that situation? Uh, well, the addition to Adrian Phillips, I think it's more you know depth. Uh, but I like Adrian Phillips. I think it, Kyle Duggar's real. I mean, you guys seen it? He's got a phenomenal tape. You know, if you really watch his tape, I mean, he he won the defensive. You know, basically the best player in college football for, you know, uh, at his level of college football. So, dude, he's real. All right, and that's how I feel about it. I think he's as good as they come, and the Patriots got a gem. I really believe that. Yeah, agreed. And yeah, then, I wasn't happy when he went there. Yeah, it was. I was. I'm not sure where I was hoping he would go. I was kind of hoping he would fall though past that top area to get some of those uh, some of those teams a little lower down some love. But uh, I have a theory that because of his versatility and because of Adrian Phillips' versatility. And because this linebacking group is kind of eh, I think they're going to be playing a little bit more linebacker than people might expect. So, and that's good for IDP. You know, you love those guys that have a safety or a DB tag that are 
racking up those easy tackles. So, uh, Stefan Gilmore, like I said before, I thought he would, should not have been the defensive player of the year. What do you have? Five, seven interceptions. I mean, TJ Watt had a couple interceptions too. Darius Leonard had like four or five, but he's on the Patriots, that brand name team. And I mean, he is a really good corner. Uh, you know, I'll give him that. But he finished top 20 in IDP 1-2-3 scoring. He did have a lot of big plays. He was a big play machine, which is kind of my brand of fantasy football. I like Tyreek Hill. I like Minka Fitzpatrick. You know, I like going from, man, I'm going to lose this game. I'm 16 points down to, oh, shit, I'm up a point. And then <laughs> let's fucking go. So that's that's my brand of fantasy. I don't like the Michael Thomas, you know, death by a thousand cuts style. But um. What do you think about Gilmore? Do you think he's, you know, has a chance to go back to back? I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, he's great in coverage, you know, tied for the NFL lead in interceptions with Trey White, uh, you know, with six each, plus the 20 passes defense that, you know, they're going to leave him out in coverage. He's not going to blitz. They're not going to bring him up to do any any crazy stuff there. He's going to be covering the number one guy on the other team, and he's going to blanket him and and take him out of commission. Um, He almost is going to suffer from some of that Deion Sanders syndrome that you had back in the 90s where you don't get thrown at enough to accumulate stats. You're not going to have him, you know, you're good in coverage. So your guy's not open to get thrown the ball and then tackle him because they never threw it to him in the first place. So, Mm -hmm. um, Stefan Gilmore is really good. I, I, I agree. I don't know that he was defensive player of the year. Good, but I think he was still had pretty solidly the best cornerback season in the NFL last year. So, um, I think he'll be in the running for that again, because he's really talented. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, let's get on to the dolphins. Uh, this is probably even murkier situation than the Patriots was. But uh, let's talk with somebody you're probably familiar with. They acquired Lawson, Shaq Lawson, from the Bills. What are your thoughts on Shaq Lawson? I mean, as you saw him develop for the Bills, and now he plays for the Dolphins. What, what do you think about Shaq Lawson, the move? And he kind of immediately slots into their defensive end one spot, right? Yeah, well, I mean, for the contract they gave him three years up to thirty-six million, they're certainly expecting that. Um, he's never produced at that level, so that is a projection that they think he can have that upside. Um, I watched him very closely through every training camp practice, every game. He is a really good run defender. He holds the line well. He even gave uh, Lamar Jackson problems being able to read the uh, the zone read and was able to keep him sideline to sideline it from, from getting plays and held him to one of his worst games of the year. I, I don't think he has the sack and quarterback pressure upside that that contract implies, and now they're moving him into more of kind of their 3-4 defensive end role which is going to make it even harder to accumulate those i think it was a good signing in real football i don't see the fantasy upside i i would not be investing in lawson from that standpoint and they also added in a ton of other guys you know signing emmanuel Ogba, drafting raekwon davis you know already having christian wilkins in house um they have a lot of guys in that group so he's going to play they paid him big money but i don't know that i expect crazy upside numbers Nice. What do you think, Jared? Similar thoughts? Uh, well, here's the thing is, well, to a point, right? I think Shaq Lawson is one of those guys that has a has a ton of upside. He just isn't super productive. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, and if you look at the Bills aspect, you, want, you went away from Shaq Lawson because the other side was a little bit weaker than he was. In the aspect that now they're 
you know, very strong uh, on the Bills side, even getting Austin and Jordan Phillips um, because they felt that's why Jordan Phillips had such good numbers because you went away from Shaq Lawson. So I think you're going to see an uptick in Shaq Lawson. Honestly, he didn't play last, you know, against the Patriots. He had very limited play. He didn't play against Washington, the Chargers, both the Patriots times. They ch- they knew what they were getting from Shaq Lawson, and they, they made sure to stay away from him. Um, teams like Buffalo, you know, uh, Cleveland, you know, stuff like that. Shaq Lawson could be real. Uh, I, I'm telling you, watch out. I think he's a guy that maybe get to the 200 point as defensive lineman. Could pop. So, huh? I, I, I will, I'll have a little bit love, a little more love for Shaq Lawson than other people. So, fair, fair. I don't. And I really... think he's in a good situation because Miami's trash. Yeah, he should definitely see plenty of snaps. I don't know what to think about Miami. You know, I mean, they everything's new, and it seems like the last couple of years everything's been new. Like, there's a lot of turnover there on, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but then they draft uh was it Curtis Weaver? Was that the guy they drafted late? Yeah. Yeah. So they actually had a pretty solid draft in, in some of the guys. Some of the early picks were some questionable value, but um they had so many picks it was kind of hard to mess up. So mm-hmm. the later on they, they did snag a, a handful, you know, Jason Strobridge was a guy that I liked. Uh, Benito Jones was a guy that I liked. So the, uh, Curtis Weaver. They had some some strong names coming in. Vince Beagle played well for them last year, but signing the the amount of money they gave Shaq was a little surprising, uh, but a guy like Cal Benoit plugging into that system, I think he's a certainly an interesting uh, piece to be able to use. Yeah, agreed. I think that I think Benoit should be interesting. I forgot about Strobridge going there, so there. But again, it almost just muddies the waters even more in my mind. So let's go to the linebacker group. Um, well, let's just let's just talk about the main guy for right now, uh, Jerome Baker. He had a really good year last year. For IDP, um, I passed on him in a lot of drafts, even though I kept telling myself, like, in this draft, I'm going to take Jerome Baker. This draft, I'm taking Jerome Baker. I just didn't. And I regretted it all season because he was really, really good. And I'm not even going to lie to you. I did the same thing this year. In all my dynasty drafts, I was like, okay, I'm getting Jerome Baker. And I just have not ended up with him. But he seems to be, I mean, their guy in the middle that they, you know, have stuck with and given him the opportunities. And he seems to have developed fairly well. Uh, especially for IDP and, you know, on a, on a team that's going to be defensively on the field a lot. Um, you think he takes another step forward? You think he's one of the, you know, where would you kind of rank him amongst the linebackers in the NFL right now? Just just a guy or a little better than that? I think he's just a guy. Just a guy in a sense of an NFL, a starting caliber NFL linebacker. I don't think he's special. I think that you know, when you had a historically bad season, you at one point on pace for the worst team in NFL history from a, a point differential standpoint, there's a lot of defensive stats to accumulate when you're there and so many teams are running out the clock late. That's a, an easy way to rack up a ton of stats. I mm-hmm. actually think the Dolphins being a little bit better this year will hurt that. There won't be quite as much cleanup stats to get because I think they're going to take a slight step forward. Um, I think they're a year away from being good. I think 2021, the Dolphins are going to be good. They had a nice offseason. Um, I, I I like Jerome Baker. I don't. I think that the additions they made um, – he was just the only talented guy on that defense last year. Now adding, you know, lossing another step forward from Wilkins, you know, still having Beagle, and now adding a guy like Kyle Van Noy, getting some 
snaps in there for Curtis Weaver. There's just a lot of people looking for playing time that I don't think it's as much of a one-man show as what Baker put on last year. Nice. nice. Jared, anything to add to the linebacker group before we – I mean, I agree with that in the aspect that I don't know if um, Baker's going to be the guy. They've, they've added so much. I mean, you got yeah. – you know, with the addition of Byron Jones, um, you got the drafting of Noah Igbenogany. Um, you've got Curtis Weaver. You have uh, Brandon Jones, who they drafted as safety. Um, the Sandy Landon Roberts from uh, the Patriots as well. Yeah, they, they got Roberts, uh, Eldon Roberts as well, um, which is we'll see what they do there. I, it's it's interesting all the moves that they've made, and they had a ton of draft picks to do. Um, you want to talk about the most mucky situation, the only tell people I can tell you that I'm for sure are going to have a spot, Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. That's it. <laughs> uh, that, that's how I can tell you. These guys are going to play, and they're going to play a lot. So everybody else, you're rotation, rotation, rotation. So, And that's how I feel about that defense. I'm not. I'm not owning very many people, except for maybe Shaq Lawson, um, on the defensive line, and then everybody else. I don't know what they're going to do. Fair. Then I Just guess. Just my opinion. Yeah, I guess there's not really any reason to talk about the defensive backs. They got rid of Minka Fitzpatrick, gave him to the Steelers, which is my one of my. That's like my, my home team. So not my true home team, but that's like my first. My first love. My number one. Then it's the Chiefs. Um, so I'm a big fan of Minka going there. The Eric Rowe seemed to be the guy they kind of replaced with or played in at, at their most useful safety last season. Um, and you mentioned that they had drafted another guy. But, you know, like you said, I don't really know what to tell people or how to even direct people on this defense except for just, you know, avoid and look at these players as late draft acquisitions, waiver wire guys if they look like they might be popping and – you know that's 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 all I got. That's my best. Um, so any parting? I mean, you know they got their their safeties are, are mucky, but you also got to look at guys like rookie Stephen Parker. Last year had two interceptions with Miami, both of them very big interceptions. He had three pass deflections. Um, he had 15 solo tackles in very limited play. He he started four games, and in those games he balled out. So he's a guy that might make a move. He was a rookie last year. So, um, and he got playing because people moved. So he, he might be a name to, to keep an eye on. So nice. We'll little see. sleeper, little sleeper action. Love it. All right. Well, I guess uh, we've covered all of the main guys. We did amazingly keep it under an hour and a half somehow. I thought after we spent <laughs> 35 minutes on the bill, we'd be going deep, but we survived. So we're going to bring Steve back in here and just kind of chit-chat for a second and close the show out. So how how we do, Steve? Great show. I just got I got one question about uh Kyle Duggar. What if they what if he's a replacement for uh Gilmore? What if they're going to trade him midseason? That would be ecstatic. No. I I'd be super excited if the Patriots get rid of Stephon Gilmore. I support that fully. I mean, I I don't see why they well, you know why they're going to trade him though, don't you? It's it, it, they always a year a year too early before a year too late. That's Belichick's mantra forever, and you know managing those contracts and things like that. I, I'd be I'd be surprised. You know, I, I think other that, speculation the, though, 
if they, I mean, if their their team is tanking and they're doing really crappy, then they're going to get rid of the one. They're, they're going to get rid of their best players. And Bill Belichick, around. Bill Belichick will tank and lose football games on purpose when hell freezes over. Well, I mean, who says they're going to do it on purpose? <laughs> there we no, go. Yeah. I, 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 I can see that. Hey, the, this it's come up a lot. Obviously, that you know, when you have that much turnover, you lose the big top, the top end names like like Brady and Gronk. I think it really puts it out there. Um, the I Take think you Trevor. can't you can't yeah. turn off Belichick can't turn the off dark his brain and, again. <laughs> he can't too, turn off his his decision making in game. He's gonna try to win, even if he's yeah. got the worst players on the field. He's gonna do. He's gonna be like, "Well, let's just see if this works." Like he's, he's got to gonna... see it. He's got to be well, like, "I've the... got the worst offense ever. I've got to. I've got to like, do he, this." He, here's what he's got to say. He's got to do it because the biggest question has always been, "Is it Brady or Belichick?" Be like, I don't. And give if a both damn. of them, if one fails, yeah. Yeah, uh, there's no the possibility you're going to let – yeah. There's no way Bill Belichick lets Tom Brady go to the playoffs while he goes 3-13. and 13. Zero yeah. possibility. Yeah. It doesn't he matter if it's strategic. It doesn't matter if it's strategic. His ego, there is no chance he lets it We know he likes to cheat too, so, I mean, he'll find a way to win. I mean, he'll do whatever <laughs> it takes. Steve, we know what you people are all about oh, over there. No. Nah. Well, and Belichick's the greatest coach in history, not because he has – this one brilliant idea that's a game-changing effect. He is amazing at all the little decisions that add up to overall success. He can't turn that part of his brain off to stop making good decisions yeah. That's what I'm saying. He's not going to stop making good decisions, so why would he make it uh, why would he stop making a good decision for his future? Yeah. I mean it's it's I can't lie. It, the the possibility of him stumbling his way from Brady one year off and then into Trevor Lawrence, I'd need to speak to a mental health representative. Uh, I still don't know why they haven't brought Cam Newton in or just anybody. Yeah. In. Don't put Cam's your thumb broken. Down. Cam is broken. No, I mean Jared Stidham is obviously the future. Oh, He's yeah. probably gonna sign on Andrew Luck like a week before the season starts. And the whole world's gonna. Oh, end. Would. That would be the most 2020 thing ever. Is if Andrew Luck is a is came a out of retirement and oh my gosh, he still isn't. Aren't his rights still owned by the yes? Gold? Uh, so Indianapolis no continued to pay him so that that just so that, that exact scenario happen. couldn't happen. Now, I'm not even saying any other team. They did that so specifically the Patriots couldn't sign him because they obviously know that's who would. Mm-hmm. I believe it. Yeah, and that it's all coming. All right. Well, Greg. Um, yeah, had a blast, guys. This was a lot of fun. You want to plug anything before you roll, we roll out of here? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, most of my attention's on on the the uh, standard form of, of football, but I like to get into fantasy, have a lot of fun. This was great today. If you guys want to hear more about the Bills, uh, I host the Cover One Buffalo podcast, always having a good time on Twitter, at Greg Thompson, G-R-E-G-T-O-M-P-S-E-T-T. Come on out and find me. Uh, always having a good time back and forth, so I appreciate the chance to come on today. This was fun. Yeah, awesome. We are thankful that you did come on. Um, you guys know where to find us. We are on the Twitter sphere as well at 50 Shades of Drunk. Jared's at Jared Gray. Steve at The Dynasty Chef. You know, mostly mostly IDP, but like I say, all fantasy football, all football is, is game. So we will be out there repping. And uh, keep an eye out on Dynasty Nerds for some more writing stuff. We are working on, Jared's going to finish up the rookie shows here in the next couple of weeks. 
and we're going to try to put out some combined rankings. We're not exactly sure what format that's going to be. We might just do a show where we just run down on it. I don't know. We'll let you guys know what's up. Um, next week, we will be having Mike Wollert on, uh, who is going to be a fun guest as well. Some more fantasy football. But once again, Greg, we thank you for coming on. It was nice meeting you down in Mobile. Hopefully, we'll see you again there next year. And Absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to hand it off to my man, Jared. Hi, guys. We appreciate you for coming as always. Craig, thanks for coming on. Can't wait till next week. Let's go, let's go, let's go. In a wormhole, probably about to burn. In a white tunnel, are you ever going to learn? See a land, probably going to merge. Going to be dead laying in the dirt. Funny how you smart, but you still a nerd. Play your part, world going turn.